Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Good afternoon. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded, or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I am David Haw, along with Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. This is the OTA episode of the Take the North podcast. You can get it on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You can watch this on YouTube on the 670 Scores YouTube page. Dan, very little going on. Ryan Poles is making the rounds, kind of the post-draft victory lap perhaps. But I do think that officially on Tuesday, the Bears begin the phase, which is known as Organized Team Activities, OTA. Significant, insignificant this year, any year? What do you think? in terms of what's at stake and what's going to be happening this week at House Hall. Yeah, well, so next it'll be next week that, that they'll get going on the practice field on the 23rd. Okay. and then sorry, the 23rd. Three, yeah. three weeks of OTAs, the mini camp ahead. And when you hear from people in the building, they're talking about this being kind of the gelling phase, right? The opportunity to build trust 
uh, with a lot of new faces and a lot of people coming into the program and trying to figure out what everything is all about. And so um, it is an important phase. It's not anything that you're really going to be able to detect with your eyes, but there's going to be a feel for the coaches and the players on how quickly this thing can gel together. Um, We know the the, the new toys that they've gotten Justin Fields uh, to play with. He's going to have to to work on the the timing and the rapport with those guys. There's a lot to to sort through here as as coaches and players. Um, And then obviously the whole goal is to get to training camp at the end of July with a to-do list that is shortened just a little bit, right? So that you can just hit the ground and then start working towards the regular season without having to address a long, long list uh, that, that would be daunting in some ways. So I think I got a little ahead of myself because of the announcement that came on Monday afternoon that the Bears were adding a couple coaches to yeah. their staff for OTAs. If for the part of the Bill Walsh diversity program, they're adding two coaching fellowships, um, two guys that have very familiar names in the yeah. football industry, Eddie George and Randy Shannon. Randy Shannon, former Miami, Miami head coach, has a long, actually well-respected defensive uh, coordinator in the college level, head coach, comes with a lot of cachet, I think, in the college game. And Eddie George, my goodness sakes, this guy can <laughs> sing, he can dance, he can run, he can run you over. He, he's so multi-talented. He's a, he's a head coach, right? So this is somebody who has a lot of talents, a lot of skills, and adding them to the mix is a good way to just expose a couple guys to your program and also make some connections and give them an opportunity to see what you're all about. Yeah, to be clear for our audience, they both have regular coaching jobs. This yeah. is just kind of a spring uh, internship, so to speak. Eddie George is the head coach at Tennessee State. Randy Shannon is the co-defensive coordinator and the linebackers coach at Florida State. But, but, you know, you see those names pop into your email and you go, oh, we've got something here. I was a freshman, David, in Champaign uh, when Eddie George was running all over the Big Ten. And I think he ran for like 397 yards or something against the Illini when I was uh, in my dorm room as a freshman. And I was like, man, this dude is this is a real deal. So he'll, we'll see him up close at Hallis Hall in the next couple of weeks, just a couple of weeks stint for him. And Randy Shannon as well, who uh, obviously, as you mentioned, was the coach at Miami and uh, has, has done a lot in the profession over his time. We had the good fortune of having Eddie George in studio at the Mullane Haw show several years ago. I cannot remember exactly what year, but he was in Chicago performing on stage. He was doing a musical. So this is the guy that on his way between being an NFL running back who gained however many yards he gained, over 10,000 yards, did he not? And his coaching career, who's now the head coach at Tennessee State, he, he spent some time in theater. So multi-talented, definitely a charismatic guy. He was def- If he wants to hang around as long as possible in Hall Hall, I think it's a good idea. But anyway, so I think I got ahead of myself because they will be observing things and contributing in whatever way. This is all about um, this offseason, getting people on the right page, kind of doing the same things and seeing the continuity from the players who were here last year, incorporating with the new guys who you drafted and signed. So, yeah, that is next week. Uh, this week, I think, is all about kind of evaluating what they have and, and what they're looking at. And I think they're still – and what they're still missing. And what they're still missing is an edge rusher. And I think that that's why we'll talk about what Ryan Pohl said when he made the rounds uh, on both radio stations last week in Chicago. But, Dan, to me, that still seems to be – if the next – if we had to guess the next big headline or the next relevant headline, I don't know how big it will be, but I think it would probably involve the Bears – 
adding a, an edge rusher to the mix. Yeah, I think so. And you kind of heard it in some of the phraseology that Ryan has had and in, in, in saying, look, like we're obviously not sleeping on this need for our roster. There are things that we think we can do to bolster our pass rush in the event that we don't get someone. But he sure seemed to indicate that there were avenues that the Bears were willing to go down and we're going to go down fairly soon. And and so I know, uh, you know, that 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 catches your ear because everybody's waiting and waiting and waiting to, to see what is added to that depth chart next. And I think we're all anticipating that sometime soon you're here, probably in the month of May, something will happen. Well, let's hear what he had to say. Our good friends at 670 The Score uh, shared with us this video, this audio of Ryan Poles. He was on the Bernstein and Holmes show last Friday. And of course, the topic of what you still don't have came up. And this is how Ryan Poles responded to the idea of adding an edge rusher. We'll see. We're working on it. We don't stop working and, and looking at different avenues to, to bring players in. There's some options, you know, potentially, you know, trade options. There's also, you know, some guys on, on the street still that can potentially come in and help us. So we're kind of looking at, at everything right now. Maybe something will happen sooner rather than later. Hmm. Sooner rather than later? Options that include a trade? I don't remember somebody mentioning a trade. Am I reading too much into that, Dan? Please tell me if I am. Well, no, I, I don't think you're reading too much into that. I think it's it's an indicator that that they are active, you know, and they're they are pursuing uh, multiple avenues of trying to add some competition, depth, and talent to this roster. And so that you know, the phraseology that caught me there was sooner rather than later. And so you would you would sort of interpret that as as something has moved forward to some extent where they feel confident enough that a deal can get done, either a that word that Ryan brought up himself is when you go, who, who could it be? You know, and, and you just don't know, you know, there's 31 other. Well, teams I know what I don't believe. I, I know what every Bears fan out there or a lot of them heard was that, okay, Chase Young, Justin Fields, college teammates reunited in the Bears locker room. That's what I think a lot of people wanted to hear. Right. And, and I, I mean, I can't dismiss it. I can't dismiss it. You know, these types of things have to uh, to play out before you give them any credence. Um, but I can't dismiss it either. And so dream those dreams while the dreams are there to be had. Um, look, like we know uh, Ryan came out of the draft saying also that he had looked ahead to the 2024 draft class to to feel out what would be available there and felt really good. You know, the Bears going to have two first round picks next year. And so there, the, you don't have to go and and treat this as a be all end all season in 2023, but you do have to add to your roster. And, and so now we'll see what, what, what materializes. The Washington commanders would obviously want draft compensation in return. What do you lot, think the probably. price would be for chase young? 20 yeah, years I, I, old. I, I, he has an injury history that would give you pause. If you're the bears, you don't want to mortgage the future or, or give up too much, but what is, what is reasonable? Do you think? I mean, you still think that would probably, you know, require at a minimum of two, right? That uh, starting point. I, I, I think the commanders could could at least start the the bidding at a one, and then you tack on a couple things to that. I don't know. I don't know what the price tag on that. I don't that know that I'd be. give up a one. I don't know that I would give up a one. I, I don't know that I would give it up either. I, I know I would ask for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I maybe maybe a two, possibly. I would start if I'm the Bears at a third round pick, and and think, okay. Let's see what they have to, you know, have to say about that. They would probably want more than that. Maybe you settle on a two, maybe you throw in a future five. I, I don't know, but it would be throwing that extra four that you that you got from the the Eagles for moving down one slot, right? Yeah, I think that's probably where the where you would start in terms of bargaining and negotiating. That's what they 
um, that, that they could work out. But I, I like the idea if Chase Young is involved in trade talks and they want to, you know, identify somebody like that, maybe some risk involved because of his health, but also the reward would be immense if he can stay healthy on the field because he's a disruptor and they just don't have that. No, and, th- and that's clearly the biggest area of need going forward. Um, and so, yeah, like as we always say, we'll have to let some of it play out. And then as, as uh, you know, developments occur, we'll be able to, to dig deeper into it. So Ngakwe is still on the market. Did, did the, was there a pass rusher that, that was signed over the weekend, I believe, taken off the market, some of the lesser stature? I, I don't think it was somebody at the top of the list. But, uh, but I do believe that the, the top guys of the available ones, uh, and we just don't know who else they might be talking to in, in terms of trade, still are out there yeah. for the Bears to pursue. You're trying to find value. That's been Ryan's buzzword for, for the, the better part of the last six months. And, and so, you know, you're trying to make it work within what your long-term vision is. And, uh, you know, you give them a chance to, 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 to find that, that sweet spot. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So also in that interview, and we'll get some other, uh, we're going to go through some of the other things he talked about, but while we're talking defensive linemen, he did mention that now he was asked about Jalen Carter specifically. And while he was very careful not to say that he took Jalen Carter off the board because GMs don't want to speak in those terms publicly. I do think that what he said without saying it was, they took Jalen Carter off the board. And the fact that he got something by moving down a spot for a player, the bears had no business or no interest in drafting because of some, you know, concerns about the dependability of things that we have established and talked about, I think was interesting. And this is how Ryan Poles explained it to the Bernstein and Holmes show on Friday on six seventy. the score. I'll say this, I might get to specifics about that, but I, I will say that our culture uh, is important. I'll say that we know where our, our our roster is right now, and and where what it can handle, what it can't handle, and I think that's part of, of being intelligent in this space is knowing your locker room and and where it's at. And I'm happy we we made the decision that we made, and you know specifically on Jalen, you know I, I think he went to a fantastic place that has kind of like their cement's dried and, and their foundation is, is what it is with a ton of leaders. So um, we love Darnell. He's going to help us. He's got grit to him. He's, he is dirty, tough, and I absolutely love him. So I'm, I'm pumped with the guy that we got. So that was Ryan Poles on the decision not to draft Jalen Carter, the decision to draft Darnell Wright. And Dan, anything surprise you there? No, I did like the, the phrasing of the cement is dried in Philly. You know, the idea that the foundation is set there and that, they, that they're able to uh, – 
do things a little differently with their risk assessment. I think what the Bears did with Jalen Carter in the draft is took a very comprehensive risk assessment of what, what they thought they could take on and absorb. And this was the conclusion they came to. I think you were in agreement with it. I think I was in agreement with it. And and now you move forward, understanding that that Jalen Carter is going to a situation with a bunch of former Georgia teammates and, and you know, obviously a, a championship culture already established in Philadelphia that gives him a, a better chance to, um, you know, get his feet on the ground with a lot of stability around him, not existent at house hall at this moment. And so, as we've talked about before, the time will come for the bears to maybe take a risk like that. But right now the risk assessment was that this, this cement is not dried and we don't want any uh, elephant footprints, you know, in our, in our undried cement that we can't get rid of years down the road because we were a little bit careless and a little bit reckless. Before we get on to some other things you said about the wide receiver room and the rotation there, I want, I want to ask you a question across my mind, and I, and I don't know if there's a parallel here, but, you know, we, we're in the midst of here looking at everything in Chicago through the Bears prism and, and risk-reward assessment because of draft picks. And the kinds of things that we're talking about that teams, when they can't count on players they've invested a lot in, when I have to say, I thought about the Jalen Carter dilemma, if you will, or the Jalen Carter decision when I'm processing what to make of this John Morant situation in Memphis with the NBA. And they're not apples to apples, certainly. And they're two very different situations and two different leagues and sports. But I do think it pertains to the maturity of a young mm -hmm. athlete, the readiness to accept a lot more time and money and fame and fortune, if you will. And I think that in Memphis, unfortunately, this is a crisis, a full-fledged crisis for the Memphis Grizzlies, the National Basketball Association, and John Moran's family. This is a 23-year-old young man who is showing some troubling behavior. And not that I want to put that on Jalen Carter, but I do think that there have been indications that Jalen Carter has some tendencies to make some irresponsible decisions or maybe to make some decisions that would be born of immaturity. Yep. And I do wonder if what – I wonder if it crossed your mind, if it, if it just reinforces this idea about how careful teams have to be when they're investing money, time, and resources in these young professional athletes. I didn't necessarily equate the two, but I will say the word that you use there that it gets underappreciated way too often is investment. People don't understand what you are investing if you're a general manager of a team uh, in, in making some of these high-profile decisions. You're investing your career future. You're investing a ton of money. You're investing a ton of time in someone. And it's not just the question of can they be an impact playmaker for a year or two. You want somebody that you're drafting in the top 10 of a, a draft in whatever sport it is to be a long-term difference maker for you for a decade ideally like that's what that's what the, that return on investment is supposed to be when you make that and so you have to, to check every box answer every question you have to find your own comfort level on what you're willing to do and you have to understand what your organization can get its arms around you know and and if, if maturity uh issues occur if off the field incidents pop up how do you manage them how do you handle them is the the, the player uh, player A, player B, player X, player Z able to meet you halfway and see eye to eye? Or does there become a, a, a butting of heads and trust and, and and issues that then creep into your locker room and create that? I mean, you've been in locker rooms where where the toxicity gets in and all of a sudden it's really hard to clean up. 
you know, there's no amount of bleach that can come in and, and get some of that out. And so you have to be calculated with the investments you make um, and, and, and understanding, again, what, what the potential rewards are, which were very well documented, and what the potential risks might be. The Bears made a decision in this case that we'll all monitor for the next five, six, seven years and look back on this in 2030 and go, man, they really missed the boat on that one. Or, you know, they, they, they made that decision properly and, and, and were able to, to steer their boat in the direction they wanted to steer it. Really complicated. But again, I do think that, that, that acknowledging this as a, a really, really huge investment for an organization and a lot of people involved in that organization is the best way to frame it. Also, I think it just, to me, they are different sports and I'm not trying to force it, but when you talk about the Eagles having the infrastructure within their organization to to be confident that they have examples that that do things the right way in their locker room, on their team, uh, for for the young players to follow and to tell them, you know, how to how to behave as a professional. That to me isn't isn't as obvious in Memphis, where they are different sports, but you have the same dynamic in place. And John Morant has become, you know, the leader of that team in a way that Jalen Carter will never be asked to be in Philadelphia. And so you have nobody kind of showing the way. And I, again, it may it may be a bit of a reach, but I do think it's a parallel into just the expectations, the enormous pressure, and and just how how young these these athletes are when they come into the respective yeah. leagues and and what uh how careful they have to be because they're they're growing up in front of us and it's it's a dangerous society that they're uh you know john Morant. that was a, it was a scary image of seeing him on instagram live waving a gun it's just not it doesn't have any production again right again you know and so 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 yeah it becomes yeah. repetitive and I, I think you're right you know i mean these are you, you, these are guys in their in their 20s low 20s given a whole lot of money a whole lot of opportunity a whole lot of spotlight a whole lot of fame and and not everyone handles that the same way and not everyone has the support structure around them that they need to have and um you know every case is different uh, that's why all these teams do the, the the level of homework that they do on every case. And I can promise you that the Bears' decision on Jalen Carter going into the draft was <laughs> based on a lot of homework. This wasn't just a, oh, well, we talked about it over lunch one day, and this is the right. decision we came to. This was months and months and months of discussion and homework and research and and, and legwork you know, that goes into all that stuff that, that led them to make the decision they made. Back to football, we digress. So back to the Bears and the wide receiver room and some of the things that Ryan Poles alluded to in talking about the addition of DJ Moore, who joins a receiving core with Chase Claypool, who has a receiving core with Darnell Mooney once he gets healthy. If he gets healthy, I assume that's going to be the case, Dan. But what did you hear from Ryan Poles that, that intrigued you and how that may help us understand about how the wide receiver hierarchy will be structured. Yeah, well, I want to walk through this a little bit step-by-step step here, and I think it probably pays to start at the top with DJ Moore, who is going to be your established number one receiver when they when they hit the practice fields a week from now and will carry that role likely into the regular season. So let's listen to Ryan on what uh, he envisioned with DJ Moore in this Bears offense, and then we'll kind of stair-step down through that depth chart a little bit. The element of, you know, being – compatible with our quarterback, which one of his strengths is, is moving the ball down the field, and he's capable of doing that, tracks it really well. Um, and then at the same time, being able to separate. Uh, we look for guys that can separate and get open. He does that well, too, which obviously throwing to a more open receiver is is valuable. 
And then the last step is just run after the catch. Um, he's, a, he's a guy that, you know, when you get up close to him, he's actually way more thick and stronger than, than what you would uh, imagine. So um, all three of those things are really going to help our offense be more efficient and more um, explosive. One thing, David, that's been consistent in kind of the reviews of DJ Moore are separation skills. Everyone in the league sort of admires the way this dude uses his skill set to create separation. It's quarterback's best friend. You're throwing to a guy who's a little bit more open. Now, all of a sudden, you got a bigger window to fit that football in. And then you talk about his strength and then his steadiness, which I think is the one thing coming out of Carolina that, that drew a lot of praise is just his ability to kind of be on a roller coaster and not be somebody that gets you know, jostled by it, that, that gets unnerved by it, plays a position that, you know, has a lot of prima donnas in this league that, that get upset when their team is losing, the ball's not coming their way. That's not DJ Moore. And so you, you put in this kind of rock solid piece as your number one, and now you envision some of these other pieces you have around them reaching closer to a best case scenario than a worst case scenario. The two other guys that we need to talk to here right now that, that kind of have a teeter totter going back and forth for very different reasons are Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. My understanding with Mooney is that they are fully anticipating him to be ready for training camp. Well, training camp is still two plus months away. There is no sort of pipe dream that he's going to hit the field for organized team activities. Potentially, if you could get him to do something movement wise by the end of minicamp a month from now, you, you feel a little better about it. But obviously the target goal is having him ready to play the regular season. Right. And he's coming in off this ankle injury and you just don't know where he's at right now with the with the optimism internally that he will be OK by the time training camp opens. I would feel differently about it if he were a new player being added via trade or free agency. I don't have the concern about him, you know, integrating into the mix or developing chemistry or whatever the case is, learning the offense, because he's been here and he was already, you know, established with Justin Fields a couple of years now. Sure. He's in this offense for one season. And so to me, that lessens the urgency to have him back before he's ready. I Correct. would I would not want to rush him back just so we can develop chemistry by the end of, of, of minicamp. I would take as much time as possible and then add a week or so. Because one thing about Darnell Mooney is that you know that he's going he's going to show up and you're not gonna to have to worry about I mean, once he's healthy, that's the only thing you worry about. The other intangibles have never been a concern. Well, and you have you bring up a point there that I think is worth noting. You, you could take three weeks longer than than you need to to be absolutely cautious and safe in this situation because you want to assess whether Darnell Mooney deserves a second contract with your organization and how much it's worth if that's the decision you need to go down. And none of us are under the delusion that the Bears are are making a run at a Super Bowl in 2023. And so that's where general managers with big picture long views have to come into play and 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 kind of talk a coaching staff into, we're going to be cautious with this and we're going to see what this looks like. Anytime a player suffers a season-ending injury, for me, um, I've just kind of applied this over time in my own situation is just I need to see it with my eyes you know I, I remember Brad Biggs and and uh I, I looking at organized team activities a few years ago when Tariq Cohen was coming back and 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 it was like is he coming back and you heard internal rhetoric like okay you know we're keeping an eye on things we'll think it'll be okay and you would watch Tariq walk from from you know the doors of Hallis Hall out to the practice field and you could see a hitch in in and you're like this is not right you know this 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 dude you know hurt himself on a punt return in Atlanta however many months ago and he's still walking 
walking, <laughs> you know, with an obvious hitch. That That's much different than running at full speed and cutting against NFL defenders looking to, to take you down. You know, and so there's an eye test to this that always comes into play. And so I need to watch Darnell Mooney run uh, several times before before my brain is able to process it. Oh, yeah, he's fine, and he'll be ready to go for the regular season. If he has to wait till week three of the regular season, so be it. Miss the Packers game, miss week two, and whatever it is. I'm not saying that's where the Bears are leaning towards. I think they hope that he's on the the uh, the runway to being back for training camp and being ready to go when the regular season starts. But I think it just emphasizes the point that at the state you're at with the player and his potential value to your long-term building process, you want to be very cautious. Did Dr. Biggs predict an injury settlement at that point of Tariq Cohen's development? <laughs> He's uh, typically predicting injury settlements two to three times per oh, practice. When I say Dr. Biggs, I meant Counselor Biggs. <laughs> That's the one who usually uh, suggests the injury settlement. Okay, so I think, Mooney, you take your time. I think Claypool's an entirely different story. That's where, that's where we're going to learn more about, okay, now that he's healthy physically, where is he mentally? How is he in terms of uh, sublimating his ego into the mix? How does he feel about the Bears' big offseason deal bringing in a wide receiver to be the number one that he maybe thought he was when he came over from Pittsburgh? Those, to me, are, are more pressing questions that are harder to answer than whether or not Darnell Mooney will be part of the mix once he's healthy. It's more than fair to at least partially interpret the trade for DJ Moore and getting DJ Moore as part of Justin Fields's uh, pass catching weaponry as a, a, a slight concern inside the building that Chase Claypool isn't going to become what you thought he was going to become when you traded for him last November. If he was, you wouldn't have to prioritize getting Justin someone, but now you're in this third season of Justin's career, second season with this regime, and you need to make some huge decisions about who he is as a quarterback. And one of those decisions has to be based on the the, the talent he's been allowed to play with. And so obviously you want to add competition and depth to that room whenever you can. But I do think there is an element here where it's like, okay, we can't risk the possibility that Chase Claypool is a dud and it, and it, and it, inhibits our evaluation in Justin Fields. And so now DJ Moore is here and he takes that pressure off you as a general manager because you say, okay, now we've got a guy with a much longer track record of success, much uh, more proven in terms of his ability to again, ride that roller coaster. And now to your point, David, the pressure is on Chase Claypool to prove to everyone in that building that he can be a player you want as part of your long-term future, that he's not just after his own second contract and his own glory uh, and, and is able to, um, create the chemistry that is not only required on a quarterback receiver relationship, but just in the room and locker room in general, that allows you to do the climb that the bears are currently trying to proceed with. There's a lot at stake for chase Claypool that creates a lot of pressure also. And now you're going to learn about how he handles pressure for the first time in his entire life playing for a contract. It'll be fun to follow a lot of other receivers to work into the mix. That's what the fun of OTAs is because you actually get to see the catching and pass throwing and it's just developing the chemistry, the timing, all kinds of things. All right. The other thing from Ryan Poles that I think stood out to you or had your ears perk up was when he was not necessarily using the same <laughs> language that you use often. And we both talked about on occasion last season, but he put it in a different context, but he was talking about the same thing. And that is basically the Bears finishing the job once they are in a close game, whether they're uh, protecting a lead or coming back late in the fourth quarter, it's finishing the job and, and winning that game and developing 
championship habits. You and I have been frequently misinterpreted and and misconstrued on this topic, not by the Take the North audience. Just Take the North audience, as we've, we've documented over and over again. Savvy. Yeah. They, they have a great amount of intelligence, football sophistication. They understand what we're talking about. But I do love hearing Ryan kind of articulate what he's looking for with this climb. And he continues to use the phrase that you just used. And I think it was creating a championship mindset, right? I think last year we, we, we buried learning to win. We got three, five shovels out. We put a headstone on it and we said, we're not going to talk about learning to win anymore. And I think what was our, what was our, our change? I think we said developing a winning formula, if I'm not mistaken, that was something along those lines is what we changed it to, which to me goes hand in hand Look at those hands clasping with creating a championship mindset that Ryan wants to to create here, because I think what he's talking about here is what we were talking about last year, what we will continue to talk about. And it's turning hope into belief. And there's a difference between hoping you've got your forever quarterback. There's a difference between hoping you can be a team that is in the playoff mix in December. There's a difference between hoping you can win a Super Bowl and believing you can with with a firm belief that's backed by vibes and evidence and everything else that goes into winning championships at the highest level of professional football. When Ryan talks about that, you know, he, he's talking about getting into the flow of, of, of having an expectation that you win. That means when you get in a, a fourth quarter game and it's, there's eight minutes to go and you're down three or up three, you know, you're going to close the deal and you know, you're going to close the deal because you've closed the deal in the past. And every time you don't close the deal, it creates doubt where belief is needed. And every time you do close a deal, it creates belief where doubt can go away, you know, and that is all we've been saying. I think that's all relevant, though. It's all relevant. And it's a matter of semantics about what you want to call it, because we're all seeing the same thing. And certainly the Bears are hoping for the same thing. Basically, we're all saying the same thing. Justin Fields, when you need to put together a drive, I think that if you're down two and you need to get in field goal range, do it. Don't throw the ball away. Don't go three and out. Don't, don't, you know, overthrow anybody on fourth down. Finish it. That's part of learning how to win. That's part of developing championship traits or habits. That's what football coaches, football people are looking for. And that's what they know you're talking about when we're all basically saying the same thing in different ways. No, there's no doubt about it. And that belief component is is enormous. And you got to remember, Ryan comes from a place where they created that belief during his time in Kansas city and they went and won a super bowl and then he left and they won another one, you know? And, and so, so he knows what that feels like. He knows what that looks like. He knows that as he told Bernstein and Holmes last week, that there were moments last year where he broke trash cans because he was so frustrated at the bears inability to get through some rough patches. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> what, do, what do you think that involved? Like what, what are we talking about? Trash cans here? Are they metal trash cans? Are they tall trash cans? He kicked over. What do what are we talking about? And where did he do this? Was it like in the press box? In- I would assume it's wherever they watch the games at Soldier Field, because typically in uh, road press boxes, he's sitting right above us, you know, like one row a- ahead of us. And that's why, again, when the Bears had that that tough loss in Atlanta last year and we visibly watched him get frustrated in that moment and pound a table and, and, and storm yeah. off to the elevators to go downstairs, you understand the frustration he was feeling because, David, he had a team that wasn't able to get over the hump in big moments. They didn't have the championship mindset. They were hoping more than they were believing and he wants to feel what he felt in Kansas City which was it's go time and we're going to be the team that goes eBay Motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So all of the garbage cans in Kansas City are intact because <laughs> nobody's breaking them in frustration. I just want to know, Jerry Angelo was a, was a desk pounder. Like when he was sitting in the press box to see something he didn't like, he would, like, you, you knew he was upset. You knew that, like, Ryan Pace was more of a grimace like yeah yeah you could see it you'd see it in the reflection right especially yeah, for some reason it. it feels like that glass at Lambeau Field that looks out over the field is a mirror right like, it's you, a great mirror you can see it so visibly and you're like yeah. oh man like and, dude and you is saw a lot of frustration right with those yeah. reflections Ryan Pace was more like that guy Phil Emery I don't really quite remember too much about him uh, who by the way retired this week he he made that official but I I don't know I don't know about uh Poles, poles. See, he he could really do some damage to a garbage can if he got mad enough. I mean, he's a big guy, big man, former yeah, line, former and, lineman. And, and hopefully that they will um, either get some sturdier trash cans for the GM's viewing suite at Soldier Field, or they'll go get an edge rusher and somebody else that can help you win, win a football game or we two. Come full circle, and then the trash cans will be safer. But look, I I think it all circles back to like this this phase, David. And you asked what this is about. Well, it's about gelling. It's about creating belief. It's about creating that confidence snowball, however small it is, that can start to roll and roll and roll and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And at some point, all of a sudden, you are the team that is is you know, just taking care of business every which way. The Bears have been on the wrong end of that too many times during my time on the beat. Hopefully at some point they find themselves in the position of having that belief and that confidence. I only have two more little nuggets to ask you um, about. So are you surprised that Ryan Poles, again, in, in that interview on the score on Friday, was as forthcoming as he was? He sounded very relaxed. He's the one who volunteered the word trade. He was very open about what he – um, was pursuing and said sooner rather than later, which kind of teased fans into thinking that something was right around the corner. And he also acknowledged breaking a trash can. <laughs> so this guy doesn't really have a lot of airs or doesn't seem to be as tightly wound as some executives might in that situation. And we also are coming off an off season where he was telling everybody who would listen just exactly what he did throughout the process and why he did it. I, I I'm, thankful in my role for Ryan's approach because I think every time we hear from him we learn 
I think we're informed a little bit more. We get a, a, a deeper look into his mindset and the way he's going about trying to build this team and what he prioritizes and what bothers him. And all those things give you a personality sketch on the guy who's running the team that, that everyone in the city of Chicago wants to see back on the NFL's mountaintop. And so I don't know if I'm surprised. I think that Ryan is very comfortable um, doing it his way. And hopefully that will not be uh, tainted over the years. And hopefully right. he doesn't suddenly experience some failures and feel like he's, you know, getting uh, crapped on <laughs> left and right and, and then become more reticent to do some of these things. I, I love it. You know, I, I'd hear from him once a week if we could. I don't care what form it's in because I do believe it is illuminating and I do believe it gives us a greater um, understanding of, of kind of the, the buttons he's trying to push and, and, and the direction he's trying to steer this thing. And so I, I'm thankful for every one of these opportunities he takes to kind of speak his mind and speak it to your point, not just speak it in, in foxy terms where you just say a lot without saying anything at all, but doing so in a way that's uh, seems seemingly genuine, candid and informative. Slight personnel move, Sam Mustafer, who <laughs> was started 40 games for the Bears, I think, over his short tenure, signs with the Baltimore Ravens to be a backup, provide some depth on that offensive line. That's a good signing for Baltimore, I think, because he goes back home. He's from yep. that area. And uh, Sam Mustafer is one of those guys we're talking about, the opposite of, of a guy you can't rely upon. He's the guy who's setting the example no matter what role he plays. Yeah, Sam was a good guy to, to cover while he was here. He was a, a true pro and was really well-respected inside that building for the way he went about his building uh, his business. Do you know where his brother wound up? I don't. I didn't catch that on Ooh, draft weekend. PJ gosh, Mustafer. you caught me off guard. I no, asked, I don't know. That's I, right. I, don't, I need my Mustafer family trivia here. Um, I don't know. If you keep talking, I'll look it up. Well, <laughs> I, I I think that he went – he was a Penn State uh, defensive tackle, correct? And so PJ Mustafer – um, ended up being a Denver Bronco as an undrafted free agent. So if he does go. make the team, we will see him October 1st when the spare bear, Sean Payton, returns to Soldier Field <laughs> and uh, brings Russell Wilson with him, and they play the Chicago Bears. So P.J. Mustafer, I don't know if he'll make the team. It just depends. He'll be up, he seemed like a practice squad guy. Yeah, when we started this podcast this afternoon, there was no way that you would have guessed we would have wound up trying to trace P.J. Mustafer's uh, NFL uh, orientation, but here we are. No, I did not. I, here's what I did think, and this is a good way to end it. So I no longer work for the Chicago Tribune, but I felt like a little snubbed by not getting a byline, a co-byline with you. Great story in Sunday's paper, people who – either got the hard copy or go back and see it at chicagotribune.com. A lot of stuff, good stuff from Dan Weeder in that. But, you know, when you use the No Excuses Tour in parentheses, I didn't copyright it, but I thought for at least I'd get it contributed, also contributed. I did work there for 18 years. At least you well, can do is give me a little credit. I tried to give you one of those italicized contributed lines at the bottom. I, you know, take the North co-host David Hawk contributed to the naming of the tour. The union scrapped that. The union axed that. The union said we can't have non-union people contributing to this union publication. I can respect so, that. I can respect that. There's some people there that would love to have just slashed off the bottom line, and that's okay too. But I did. That was a good story, and it kind of, you know, what it did was it kind of verbalized or put in writing everything that we have talked about, and. You know, you had a good note on on what's at stake for Justin Fields. Um, you had you had some really good stuff also on Tremaine Edmonds, which we haven't really talked about. We can get to next time, but just uh, a lot of good substance there. Also, 
Roshan Johnson, Johnson is going Mr. To be, it. <laughs> he, he's going to be somebody to watch him because I've had more than one person suggest to me that he could be the Bears' number one option at running back, and I guess I didn't anticipate that when they drafted him. If Roshan Johnson is not someone to watch, we have been sold a bill of goods, man, because the, the hype train is is out of the station, and that that, that whistle is it's, it's it's on its way down the track at this point, and it's it's going to be hard to slow down. Eager to watch him kind of blend in when the veterans get back and, and see how they look side by side by side. Anything else that we overlooked or missed or did not mention? No, I mean, I think that, yeah, for, for mid-May, we're, we're covering a lot of ground here. I'm just looking through my notes here, and I think we touched on all of it. I think uh, just the last thing is just Ryan Poles talking about that that bar of success for him. He says it starts with the division, and the first thing we do is try to win our division, and if we don't, we try to figure out where we fell short, and if we do, we're very happy, and we try to take the next step. But that is clearly uh, not novel, but it's it's something that is very important to him, and that's where he starts uh, setting that, that, that bullseye in the middle of the dartboard. Did you go to the Bears Gala, the Bears Care Gala? I did not. You did not? Were you invited? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't that, it used I to be a media invited. event, a little bit of a media event, a pre-gala access, yeah. but I don't think yeah, they do that anymore. Be, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that was over the weekend. So they got all dressed up, and I haven't seen uh, as many pictures as we're used to seeing out of there. I'm sure they're coming on social media real soon. That social media team, they are – I mean, they have had a great off season. You have to admit that the social media team is rolling right now. Um, okay. And we are rolling. Uh, we will be back next time talking about whatever OTAs produces. If, if there is a move at the edge rusher position, you can bet that we will be there to analyze it. Keep your eyes on the take the North pod, Twitter account, and give us some feedback. Let us know, download, listen, subscribe. And we certainly welcome your reviews good, bad, or indifferent. So I think that um, there's plenty of offseason left to go and we'll be there for every step of the way. For Adam Studzinski and Dan Weeder, I'm David Hall. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. Great talk. See you out there.